This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. In a world where overspending, debt, and keeping up with the Joneses rules us all, where the voices from the merchants, restaurants, and credit companies lord over the common man, out of the darkness, like a beacon of hope, comes a new voice, a voice that's rich and creamy, like your favorite butter, and delicious, like cheeseburger pizza on your diet cheat day. It's... The Stacking Benjamin Show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and what a day we have here for you today. Not only are we kicking off the week leading up to Memorial Day, but we also have David Green from Bigger Pockets visiting the basement. Boom! Plus, in our headline segment, Are You Chasing Retirement? We'll share some hard-earned lessons from people who retired early. And that's not all. We'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline, answer a letter from the mailbag, and to top it all off with my amazing trivia. And now, two guys who are kicking off this week of fun, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. And what a Monday fun day it is. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. Welcome back to another week, OG. Is this the final countdown before summer? I always feel that way, don't I? Kids are out of school. David Green is here talking about real estate today. Love that. But whenever I write the email to Robert Niles at Theme Park Insider saying, hey, do you want to come back? Writing that email is like the first sign of summer to me. 
It gets you all giddy. I know. You're like, ooh, it's going to be summertime. Robert Niles will be here Wednesday kicking that off. Bethany Bayless, who is as big of a Disney freak as you and I, is going to be here talking about value and uh, saving money at Disney on Friday. We are getting you ready for summer fun all week long. But what could be more fun than real estate and uh, David Green from Bigger Pockets? joining us today to talk real estate, which is going to be great. You know what else is great, OG? Pretty sure you're going to tell me in a second. Wearing nice looking shirts. Oh, yes. Isn't this looking good? Because when you look good... How do I look today, by the way? (laughs) You should have worn your proper cloth. (laughs) I'm all decked out in my proper cloth shirt, and I'm not sure... And OG hasn't showered in a week, and he's wearing a (laughs) t-shirt. OG rolls out of bed and I swear if you could, you would just have the microphone stand next to your bed, like on your nightstand, wouldn't you? You just, hey, uh, thanks. But thanks to Proper Cloth for supporting at least one half of Stacky Benjamins. One of us looks good this morning. Proper Cloth makes it easy for men to buy dress shirts that fit perfectly. And I'm talking perfectly without setting foot in a store or paying a fortune by having a tailor come out and uh, do all kinds of poking and prodding none of that get twenty dollars off your first custom shirt at propercloth.com slash sb also thanks to linkedin for supporting stacking benjamins linkedin jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best post a job today at linkedin.com slash sb and you know what's gonna happen you get fifty dollars off your first job post og how about that people getting $50 off their first job post at linkedin.com slash SB just because they listen to the show. Nothing more fun, OG, than hiring the right person. We hired nobody. We got David Green to come down to the basement for free today. How about that? You're welcome. But first, we've got some headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our first headline comes to us from MarketWatch. This is written by Andrea Combs. Listen to this. Five hard-earned lessons from people who retired early. Advice from those who know. You know, we've heard a lot about the FIRE movement, which for those of you who are new to the show, that's this idea of financial independence, retire early, getting really aggressive about being financially independent at an early age. And as uh, the documentarians we talked to last week will tell you Scott Rickens and Travis Shakespeare, it is not as easy as as mm-hmm. as as people think it is, but man, is it worth the journey. Here's the piece. To those of us still working the nine to five, stories of people who retire in their 40s or even younger can read like a hero's journey of mythic proportions. But getting to that dream goal isn't without all too human regrets. Learning what mistakes early retirees make on their path to retirement can help the rest of us avoid those same pitfalls. Uh, And so they asked some people and the first person they talked to is Carl Jensen, uh, founder of the blog 1500 days. And what's funny is, is Mindy, of course, is with bigger pockets. I feel like I'm surrounded by bigger pockets stuff today. Carl says, remember to have fun. It's not easy to retire early. It's likely you'll have to drastically reduce your spending and ramp up your savings rate. But early retirees say money strategy shouldn't be the only thing on your mind. Carl says, my regret is that I was too focused on getting to the fire finish line. When I was younger, I was dead set on accumulating wealth, Jensen says. He often worked 80 hours a week at his job, even as he and his wife flipped houses for profit, doing much of the remodeling work themselves. 
My 30s are a blur, he says. I expected early retirement to fix all my problems, and then it didn't. It took some time to learn that happiness comes from within. While fires improved my life and I'd never go back to work, it didn't increase my baseline level of happiness. Man, this idea of chasing happy versus chasing, I'm going to be happy in the future if I do all this sacrifice today. Right. Love, love that. Be content. Well, how many times have you seen people, even people retiring at a normal, quote, normal age, not go through a bunch of coping when they first get to retirement because they never really thought about what they were going to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's this concept of, you know, driving or flying or boating to the horizon. You know, it's, it's, it's like this never ending goal of trying to have more whether it's more savings or more free time or more happiness, like Carl was talking about there, at the end of the day, eventually you just have to go, this is good. Good is good enough. And whether that's free time or happiness or money or whatever the case may be, you have to think about that. I think ultimately it's a prerequisite to being successful in life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, They also quote Tanya Hester, who was uh, on the show just a couple months ago. You can go back in the archives and listen to her appearance. Uh, She also uh, left work at 38. She said, when we first started getting serious about saving, I got a little bit obsessive about shopping with coupons. I saved a ton of money on groceries, but it was so time consuming and tedious to look for every possible deal. Eventually, she decided it wasn't worth it. So she and her husband now strategize on cutting expenses like the big things, housing and transportation. That's number one. Number two, get a jump on saving and investing. Akisha and Billy Catterley, who currently live in Chapel of Mexico, retired when they were both 38. That was 28 years ago. And they say if they had it to do over again, they would have started earlier. Quote, neither of us came from families who knew about investing. We stumbled into it at the age of 30. Had they known about the power of compounding, they say they would have begun investing much sooner and a nest egg would have been bigger. I, I'm a guy that dropped the ball on that. I remember people telling me at 20, 21, 22 years old to get some of that money saved. I don't think I saved a dime until I was 26. Yeah. I look back at uh, Roth IRA contributions and I think, okay, I think the first year of a Roth was what, 1998? And the maximum contribution was $2,000 for a while. And I started working in 99. I didn't make a lot of money my first year. I made $10,000 my first year, but I made slightly more than that my second year. And I, and I look back now and I go, seriously, I didn't have $167 right. in June of 2001 to put into a Roth. Are you kidding me? What was wrong with me? But you remember the feeling at that time. You seriously thought you didn't. And if I yeah. had that to go to do again, just hide it from myself, I'd do it a bajillion times. And that's There's not even that's not even a fire thing, by the way. That's not a f- financial independence yeah. early. That's just even if you don't care about retirement, you have to pay yourself first. Oh, putting that money away early and letting your money do the dirty work for you that you don't have to do. I'm as lazy as the next guy. Yeah, and more so even. Yes, um, I'm struck by the thing that I read a couple of years ago, and I'm going to muck up the exact details, but it's conceptually the same. You know, Warren Buffett's net worth right now is what, 75 or $80 billion or something like that. And he's 88 years old. What was his net worth when he was 50? Let's think about that number a little bit. So 75 or 80 billion today, he's 88. Yeah. What was his net worth when he was 50? 
I remember it was, I mean, it was still huge, but it was much, 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 much smaller than today. I think I read that it was 67 million. Yeah. You can't live on that, but it's a nice start. Yeah, no, that's a boatload of money also. But you look at the compounding over a 30-year time horizon. He's obviously made some really good investment choices over his life as well. But nevertheless, the, the idea of compounding happens at the end. The benefit of compounding happens at the end. One of my favorite things to track for clients is the, the year in which your money makes more money than you contribute to it. Because there's a lot of people who put 20000 yeah. in their 401k, yeah. they get a company match, they max out the Roth, their spouse puts in money in their 401k, you know, saving forty dollars or $50,000 all said and done. But my favorite thing is the year in which their money makes that kind of money while they're doing that. And then, of course, the next big one is when it makes, you know, twice as much or whatever. But uh, but it's just really, really kind of interesting to see that slow go. And then all of a sudden it goes, boom, wow, I put in 50, my money made 80, <laughs> you know, this year. Holy cow, we went up 130 grand. I'm only responsible for 50,000 of that. Or I'm responsible for 20,000 of that. That's even for people just starting out. Something I used to like to do when new savers would come in and meet with me and they'd be working with me just for a couple months. And we'd take a look at maybe their, their emergency fund that we're establishing and we see that it made just a few cents. And I would highlight that like four cents and go, our goal is to make this a dollar. I want your money to make, to bring home a dollar. And then we get to a dollar and I'm like, let's make this dollar bring home $5 instead. Mm -hmm. So, and we kept raising the number. And I remember, you know, after a while, some people, uh, it was, it was cool. They're like, look at, we're up to $15 a month that my money's bringing in. That's, that's pretty cool when there's like an hour of work that you right. didn't have to do yourself. Cool yeah. stuff. Number three, I'm going to let go. Don't let the haters get you down. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Sore. Yeah. Uh, number four, take time to figure out what you'll do now. This is mm -hmm. something we alluded to earlier. You, you get done. I think there's a lot of people who are chasing, I want to get away from X and it, yeah. it isn't about getting away from X. It's about what are you going to? You can't just simply say ubiquitous things like I'm just going to retire and play golf every day. Yeah. Jillian uh, Johnsrud, who became financially independent in 2015 at age 32, says it takes time to learn how to structure your day. No one feels great after binging on Netflix for 12 hours, especially the fifth day in a row. That is so <laughs> true. I, right. I remember, well, you and I know about this practice of taking a free day. Just take a free day once a week. And this is not time for anybody but you. And I remember when I first did that and I said, I'm going to play video games all day long. And mm -hmm. I remember, dude, <laughs> I got to one o'clock in the afternoon and I was already so bored. I was so flipping bored. And I'm, and I'm thinking if I did this all day, every day, this would be horrible. Like this I would, would make be... a ton of money on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> I teach everybody how to play Fortnite. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. It was, it was just not good. So you have to learn how to structure your day. Number five, embrace the conversation. And this is the part I like the best. Actually learning that it's this thoughtful discussion about money. That's probably the most important thing, OG. It's a conversation about why are you doing what you're doing? Whether it's trying to retire early or retire, quote unquote, normal time, you're still sacrificing stuff today. So why are you sacrificing it? And you have to have a really, really, really strong reason for that. And if you do... 
then you'll stay motivated and you'll stay on task. Let's go to our second headline, which comes to us from Investment News. This is written by Greggy Akerchi. Let's nerd out a little bit on the advisor side of things, OG. Edward Jones doesn't sell indexed annuities, bucking the broker-dealer trend. Edward Jones has taken a contrarian stance on indexed annuities, declining to allow its brokers to sell the annuity products, even though its peers are doing so, and the products are increasingly popular industry-wide. That, my friend, drives me crazy. Indexed annuities. I am not anti-annuity, but when I read this, when I read this, I was like, way to go, Edward Jones. Because indexed annuities more than any product. Maybe I got it wrong, OG. And the reason I brought this to the table is because I'm hoping I got it wrong. I feel like the way indexed annuities are sold, the idea that, okay, the S&P 500 goes up, you'll get a piece of that or whatever index they use. Mm -hmm. And if it goes down, your annuity will never go down. But then you look at the return that you actually get over time. If you do some back testing, the return that you get, you were 99.99% percent better off doing some other thing. I have very few clients that have annuities in the firm and some of them are indexed annuities only because that was the the good benefit at the time. But you're right about how they're sold. If they're sold appropriately, if you have a fair discussion about yeah, it won't go it won't go below zero, but you're going to only get 30 cents on the dollar on the upside. So you want to assume that when you put in the threes and you put in the zeros, this is a glorified savings account. Yeah. You know, this is a 2% return, 2.5%, maybe 3% return, depending on the rate at which you earn the money. But the other thing that's really kind of funky about them are not only how they're sold, but also all of the really kind of secretly hidden stuff inside of it. And that's probably more detrimental than the growth potential miss because I think about this like a client, if you're a client and I said, Hey, I think you're going to get 7% a year and you get three, but you still never get anything less than zero. Maybe you're a little disappointed, but if I forget to mention that the costs inside of it are two and a half percent, now I'm pissed. Yeah. Right. And I think part of it comes all these bells and whistles and how difficult they are to understand uh, looks like that's part of Edward Jones' decision. Uh, Steve Rushoff, principal for insurance and annuity products at Edward Jones, said the firm's decision not to offer indexed annuities is in line with its philosophy of keeping its investment products, quote, relatively straightforward for its clients and advisors. They're not really that straightforward. Oh, they're not. They're super complicated. And even the simple ones are super complicated, which is why they get so much press. But it's always interesting to see, too, when you look at how they're structured and how they're sold, how many of the people that are selling them actually understand how to use them? That's that's my thought process. Whenever I hear about somebody selling it, I'm like, how can you present this as a good? I don't think they've done the work to figure out that this probably isn't the best thing out there. And the really bad ones pay a whole bunch, which is. A whole nother issue, which ought to tell you everything. Most of the reason. Yeah. I am headed to uh, MIT to actually go oh, to boy. a conference about the annuity space because I love seeing people on the 
upside really working on this because I think annuities have a place. They totally have a place. This idea of a private pension as a as a leg of your stool, I think is really important when we talk about longevity risk. People living for a long, long time, super important. And um, I really wish the annuity space would fix itself. Can you uh, get a coffee mug that says like, I taught at MIT and then in really fine print it says like jump rope or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> I'm going to get there. you because, you know, they sell that crap. I'm going to get you a T-shirt that says my co-host went to MIT and all I got was this stupid T-shirt. I'm going to get you one of those. There you go. I like that. Before we get to our takeaways, I think that this whole Edward Jones thing is all about differentiation, right? Edward Jones uh, giving themselves a little bit different placement than their competitors. And if you're looking for the place that differentiates when it comes to hiring, you want to go to LinkedIn Jobs. Because you already know that hiring isn't as easy as putting an ad in the paper. Who puts an ad in the paper anymore? Can't do that. Or posting on a job board with more qualified candidates than ever. You need something that helps you find the right people for your business. And LinkedIn Jobs does exactly that. There's more than 500 million active users already on LinkedIn. So people go there every day to make connections, grow their careers, and discover new job opportunities. And 90% of LinkedIn users, they're open to new opportunities, but not actively scanning job boards. And that means LinkedIn Jobs gives you access to an entirely different demographic than any place else. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role best. Things like collaboration, work ethic, and adaptability are all taken into consideration. So LinkedIn Jobs can help you find somebody who's not only qualified, but also matches with your company's culture. LinkedIn Jobs will get your job in front of the most relevant qualified candidates. So you're focused on making a hire that you're actually excited about. Imagine that. Somebody who you actually want to work with coming into your company, all because you use the right platform to find them. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash SB and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash SB for $50 off just because you listen to the Stacking Benjamin Show. Terms and conditions apply. I think lesson number one is it doesn't need to be complicated. I mean, sometimes when we get into estate planning or uh, wealth preservation, legacy planning, it can be a little complicated. But generally, if it's just for longevity, if it's just for your uses, your plan does not have to use these super complicated investments. I think that's probably lesson number one. Lesson number two, thinking about retirement, man, this idea of letting your money work for you. Let your money do the heavy lifting, OG. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway there. Coming down to the basement, he is a gentleman who is a rock star. He is the co-host of the wildly popular Bigger Pockets podcast about, of course, investing. Yeah, right. Investing in real estate. We've had Josh Dorkin, who is the founder of Bigger Pockets. He's been a co-host when OG's been away of this podcast before. Of course, he and Brandon Turner have both been on here multiple times. So it's about time we got David Green down to the basement talking about the Burr method of investing in real estate. Let's find out about a better way of attacking the real estate space. David Green coming down to the basement. 
and coming down the stairs. It is the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, Mr. David Green. How are you, bud? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing this morning? Well, I'm I'm so happy that you're here with us finally because we've had those jokers Brandon and Josh on, but now we have the real Bigger Pockets host. You've had the rest. Now you've got the best. <laughs> Your journey is complete. Fact check me. Tell me if I'm wrong. You're a police officer. I am a sworn police officer, but I'm on a leave of absence right now. So I'm not working as one, but I still am one. Yes. Gotcha. You must have some stories about that for another podcast. Yeah, many of them probably can't be told on podcasts, but yeah, <laughs> you definitely, you're never shy of stories when you work as a police officer. How did you get started in real estate? I backed into it, man. I had a friend who wanted to buy a house and he had it under contract and he got accepted to Bible college. So he was moving away and he was telling me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I got a deposit on this thing. And I said, well, let me go look at it. And I looked at it and I figured, you know what? One day I'm going to have a family. I'm going to need a house. I'll just buy it and rent it out till I'm ready to live in it. Bought a rental property and that's how it got started. Wow. And how many rental properties do you own now? I've got 35 single family homes across the country. And then I've got shares in uh, some like note funds and some privately held notes as well as some apartment complexes I own with other investors. What's the draw of real estate for you, David? I love the whole concept of working super hard to achieve a goal and then coasting and letting that goal carry you. And real estate is really the easiest way to do that is you work hard to find a deal. You work hard to fix it up. You work hard to get a tenant in it and then you're done. You just get a check every single month and every year it gets a little better than it was before. So this whole concept of delayed gratification pairs really well with real estate. I'm reading your book, Buy, Rehab, Rent, Refinance, Repeat. And uh, as you can see, mine is all dog-eared. And as I'm working through this, you draw a big difference between traditional real estate and the buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat, the BRRRR. I, I always want to make mm-hmm. sure I get enough R's in there. I, I feel like I'm always going to be one short. Explain to me the difference between these two concepts. Okay. So the traditional method is the way people have usually bought homes. You put a down payment on a house. You put a bunch of money into the rehab to get it ready to rent. Then you rent it out and you move on. With the Burr method, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat, you're doing the same stuff, but you're doing it in a different order. Rather than financing it when you buy it and then dumping money into the property, you dump all your money in in the beginning. You pay cash or a hard money loan or somebody else's money, and then you fix the house up. Once you fixed it up, it's worth more than when you bought it. That's when you refinance it. So when you're refinancing it based on the higher value, you're getting a bigger chunk of your money back. So you get back the capital you put in, which you can then reinvest into the next property. And it allows you to use the same dollar to keep buying rental properties time and time again, which means you can buy more, which means you get better at it, which means you build a bigger portfolio. You're you're leveraging the rehab that you do of the property. So in other words, I buy a house, not worth much money. Let's say it's a $100,000 property. You rehab it, you turn it into what, $120,000, $130,000 property maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. and so then you can take more money out of it and then you use that money then to purchase the next home. Exactly. See if, when you buy the house, if it's in really bad shape, you're taking a loan out on the lower value. So like if you go buy a house that would be worth 120, but you only pay 60 for it, that's a great deal. The problem is you're only able to borrow like 40,000 or 45,000. So you left 20,000 of a down payment plus all the 30 or 40 grand you got to spend on the rehab, you left it in the house. You can't use it to buy more homes, right? So you've got a ton of equity left in this property, but you don't have any capital to go buy the next house. 
what I'm saying is you put all the work in first, you make the house worth 120, then you refinance it. The bank's going to let you pull out $90,000 because it's about 75% of the value of it. You now have 90,000 to go buy the next house, make it worth more, add value to it, get a cash flowing rental and keep going. And by using this method, I went from buying about two houses a year to two houses a month. Two houses a month. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a slightly faster slightly faster. Let's go through just just one little piece. Obviously, if somebody wants the Bible on this, this is a thick book. There's no way we can do this in the next 10 minutes. But I do want to jump into maybe just one little sliver of each piece of the Holber method. And the first thing I know people are asking their device right now, Joe, you got to ask him if I don't have if, if I don't have the money to pay cash. How do I make that happen? You talked about maybe maybe hard money taking out a loan from somewhere else. What's my best strategy getting the cash to get this ball rolling? So private money is probably your best. Well, I, let me take that back. The first and, and best bet will always be your own money. So if you have a 401k you can borrow from, if you can take a HELOC on an existing property, an equity line of credit, if you can open a business line of credit, if you've got savings lined up, that's a great option. Then the next option could be you could partner with someone else. We call that private money. So you got a guy who's really interested in real estate investing or a gal, but they don't understand what they're doing and you do. They bring in the money, you bring the experience and the knowledge, the two of you combine together. You can either give them a chunk of the profits if you're going to sell it, but if you're going to keep it, that makes it a little bit tougher. So instead, you just pay them interest to use their money. They get to make money on their money without having to do the work, so it's a win for them. You get to use their money to buy your house, and because you're going to refinance it and give them their money back, it's a win for you. You don't have any outstanding debt with that person. If you can't find that, your next option would be to go to a hard money lender. It's like a private money lender, but you're you're probably going to pay a little bit more for the money. And then finally, if you can't do that either, you can sometimes get some conventional financing depending on what kind of shape the house is in. The problem with that is you're going to pay closing costs twice. You're going to pay closing costs when you buy. You're going to pay them again when you refinance. Makes it, The deal has to be that much better to be able to support it. Yeah, and then it's going to be a little messier down the road, second property, third two than I think. I mean, that becomes a trail that's, that's tough. Let's start off with buy. I want to ask you, I guess, one question on each of these. With buying a property, I'm sure there's one mistake people make all the time that you see when it comes to buying property. What's the biggest mistake you see people make when they identify the property they're going to go after? They're afraid to take on a problem. They want a house that looks like it's easy and simple and there's and there's nothing that could go wrong. It's pretty. The pictures look nice. The problem with that is that the seller has no reason to sell it at a discount if it's in really good shape and it's in a really good area. So you're not really getting a deal. You're just getting a house. What I tell people is to look for deals. You want to find a house that's in distressed condition. It smells like cat urine. It's torn apart, right? Like the very best deals don't even qualify for conventional financing. You cannot get a loan to buy them. And that means you've eliminated 90% of your competition because they all need a loan, right? If you're the person who's walking in with some cash, whether it's yours or other people's or hard money, you can now go pay $40,000 for a house that would be worth $100,000 if it didn't have that hole in the roof. But because no one else has the cash to buy it and they don't have the cash to fix the roof, you're at a competitive advantage. It seems like, and this gets, I guess, into the rehab question, it seems like you have to be able to do some math ahead of time, I would think, then, David about how much these rehab costs are going to take. If I'm brand new, how do I get my arms around how much money this is going to cost to rehab effectively? It's really not that tricky to figure out the math on a rental property. You need to know what you're going to pay for it, how much the rehab is going to cost, and how much it's going to be worth when it's done. If you got those three numbers, you can figure out what to pay. 
in order to figure out what the rehab is going to be, my preferred method is I actually have a contractor walk the property and say, hey, here's the itemized list of everything we need to do to fix it up. Here's how much each thing is going to cost. Here's what your total is. Once I've got that total, I combine that with what I think it's going to be worth when I'm done. We call that the after repair value or ARV. And then I can see what I can afford to pay for the house to still get it at a discount. Now, sometimes in the beginning, you may have to pay a contractor for their time to go do that. But once you've got a relationship established with someone you bought a deal or two, they're going to be happy to do that for you because they want your business. Absolutely. You're the goose who's laying golden eggs. Uh, there you go. For you a couple times a month. I mean, yep. I bet these people are all over you. Uh, problems you've run into rehabbing. I know you, you must have had some times, though, where you go into rehab a house and it ends up being a lot more expensive than you thought it was. Yeah, that does happen. It doesn't happen as much as you would think. When I was new, it would happen a lot more. Now that I've done this a few times, I just assume I'm going to have to fix certain things without knowing if I have to or not. So I'll look at it and I'll say, hey, the appliances are going to need to be replaced. The air conditioner is going to need to be replaced. It needs a new roof. Then when I get into it, I have the contractor look deeper and say, actually, I think we're okay with this roof. We just need to spend a thousand bucks or two and we can fix it up and make it work. Or yeah, you know, your HVAC could uh, be replaced, but I think you got another five or six years out of it. I'll set that money aside and I'll wait five years before I replace the air conditioning. The things where people get into the most trouble with their rehabs are where they're trying to cut corners because they're trying to save money. And what makes you want to save money is when they've already bought the house and put a down payment and now they're dumping capital into the improvement improvements and they're trying to keep it as small as they can, right? Mm -hmm. With the Burr method, the more money you put into the house, theoretically, the more you make that house worth. Right. So you're not afraid to make these improvements. You're okay to put a new roof on it or replace the air conditioner or, or remodel it because you know the appraiser is going to give more value to those things. He's going to make your house worth more and you're going to get that money back when you refinance. So it actually keeps you from trying to cut corners and make bad financial decisions. I love that idea because building your house on you know, rock instead of sand, uh, much better foundation, uh, renting it out. Biggest problem you see people have renting the property out. They don't understand the area they're buying in because they didn't want to use a property manager. So for all of my deals, I always have a property manager and not just to collect rent. I use these guys as a guide, like a, the Sherpas that you hire to help you climb Mount Everest. They've done it before. They know the trails. They know what you need to do. Whenever I'm buying, I ask a property manager, what are the parts of town I want to avoid? Where's all the demand? How much can I get for rent on this house? If you've got a good property manager that manages a lot of properties, they are going to tell you what you need to know about what you can expect for rent. The people who make the mistakes are the inexperienced ones that say, well, that house right there rents for 2000 so I'll get 2000 And then the house they bought's on the wrong side of the tracks, or it's in a different school district, and those houses rent for 1400 And it screws their numbers up really, really bad. A big takeaway that I'm getting just from talking to you, David, is this idea of surrounding yourself with good people, like investing in these relationships ahead of time so that you've got these people you can call on. Like you must have a hell of a network of people that you've developed by buying these properties. You know, it's funny. I started off thinking it was all about the house, all about the deal. And then the more I got into it, the more I realized it's all about the team. So people will tell me, how do you find good deals? And, and the reality is I don't really even have to go find good deals. At this point, they bring deals to me. So there's two ways to do it. You could learn how to fish and you could go find where the fish are and you could go stick your pole in the water, water and try to catch a fish. Or you can find a fisherman that's so good, they have more fish than they know what to do with. And those fish are going to rot if they don't find something to do with it and you buy it from them at a discount. That's the way I've changed things is I want to find the guy who's amazing at catching fish and has too many then I want to find someone who needs a job and they really want to clean fish. 
Then I want to find somebody who's really good at cooking those fish, right? Like in the end result, I just want to be able to show up and have fish that are prepared that I can eat. And we do this in other parts of our life. We're not growing our own cabbage. We're not raising our own cows, most of us at least, right? But when it comes to real estate investing, we think we have to be the one to do it all. And the reality is we're not going to be good at very much of it. I was going to say, you don't grow your own cabbage. Speak for yourself, big guy. <laughs> that's all That's all we do here in the basement is grow cabbage. The next step in the Burr method is refinancing. And this is an yeah. area, even when I was a financial planner, I saw people run into problems, but there's hiccups all over refinancing, David. Yeah. The number one thing you can do to avoid problems with your refinance is to get pre-approved before you start house shopping. What most people do is they go find the deal, they get super deep into it, and then they look around and say, I need a bank to bail me out. How am I going to refinance it? And then they're really frustrated with everybody else when it doesn't work out, when they should be frustrated with themselves because they didn't plan right. So before I even start looking in a certain area to buy homes, the first thing I do is find a bank who's going to let me borrow. We go over my financials. We go over my credit. We go over my debt to income ratio. We go over a, a profit and loss statement, a, a list of all the assets that I own, a personal financial statement. And I get a high ranking person within that financial institution to send me an email that says, we will let you borrow under these terms. Now that I know I've got financing lined up, I will then start putting all the work into finding a deal, fixing it up, renting it out, et cetera. And then the last step, of course, is to repeat this over and over and over. Do you use some type of, uh, you've got to have some type of system. I'm thinking you have a spreadsheet or you have a system that you use to make sure that things don't fall through the cracks. It's kind of funny. We use Google Drive. Do you really? I've got, I've got checklists in Google Documents and I've got a spreadsheet in Google Docs and that's really all that I need. So I'll take every member, I call my core four, the four people that I need to buy in any market. I've got a property manager, a deal finder, a lender, and a contractor. Each one of those people has a checklist of how I like things to be done. It's a Google Drive document. We take a spreadsheet of all the houses that someone brings into us. We analyze them. We say, I want to write offers on these ones. We mark a little thing on that spreadsheet that says we've sent it out for an offer. The agent comes back and says, hey, of the eight offers that we wrote, four of them replied to us, two of them countered, uh, and here they are. So then we would just take those two and we would look at what they said. We'd either counter back or we'd accept. And it all gets marked in that little spreadsheet of ours. The minute it gets accepted, it jumps into a new checklist. Okay, we've just been accepted. Now, here's all the things we have to do. Schedule an inspection. Have the contractor meet the inspector at the house to talk about what's in that thing. Verify the rents from a, a third source or something like that. Like all the things I've got. And then once everything looks good, I've checked the inspection report. It doesn't look like there's more damage than what I thought. I go into another checklist. This is the post-closing, right? We go to close, we wire the money. Here's all the things that have to start. Contractor starts work or electricity and water get put in my name. Uh, property manager gets notified. We now have this house and, and he puts it on a schedule to go by every two weeks or so to check on the work the contractor's doing. Property manager gets emailed a scope of work that the contractor's doing because I want him checking to make sure that everything's being done that's supposed to be done. It's a whole checklist of stuff, so it's very hard to make a mistake. Once the house is ready, the last checklist kicks in. This is mostly the property manager stuff. Make sure the house is advertised for rent. Make sure we like the rent that they chose. Uh, check in with them every week to see how many showings that we had. And we work that checklist until it's rented out. I love that idea because with the checklist, if something goes wrong, you don't just fix the problem. You go back into the checklist and make sure it never goes wrong again. And that's why the last R is repeat, because you need systems to make you enjoy what you're doing. We will all muscle our way through something the first time or two that we're doing it because we want it really bad. Well, nothing stays fun forever. The novelty of everything wears off. And if you and the problem is that success is typically found from consistency. You have to do the same thing over and over and over. And if you're going to do that with any kind of joy, you need systems in place so that you're not carrying the weight all by yourself. That is just crazy talk. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. you're <laughs> 
Now, the big problem here, if only there were somebody who'd written a book about this stuff. I mean, because we just we just barely covered each step along the way of the Burr method. I wish somebody had written a book about this, David. Well, thank you for saying that, Joe. I had the same problem and I was tossing and turning all night long thinking, where can I learn about this Burr method? And there was no resources <laughs> out there. So I, uh, I took it upon myself to solve that problem. It is fantastic. And this is not a thin book. And this is the Bible, if that's an apt analogy. I think of the of the Burr method and you cover everything. And while we covered one thing that might go wrong on each step of the way, uh, you've got a lot of little tips and tricks in here that I love that I think are going to make it easy for people to dive right in. Well, thank you very much. I like to try to make people think they're getting two books for the price of one. So it is big, but that doesn't mean that you should be scared of it because it's full of really good stuff. And I'd rather give people extra information than, than leave something out there where they feel like they have to go look for the resource somewhere else. Yeah, it's an easy read. I mean, it's it's dense with information, but it's an easy read. And uh, believe th- there's even a few places I laugh. What's that all about? <laughs> that's my that's my friendship with Brandon Turner <laughs> seeping its way into the pages there. He's a funny guy. Well, I was going to save that for my last question because, as you know, both listeners of the Stacky Benjamin Show don't talk to anybody. <laughs> uh, you got to give us some dirt on Brandon Turner because that guy just seems to be too good to be true. There's got to be some dirt that, you know, just the two of us with nobody listening can talk about. The thing with Brandon when I first met him was I thought he was just this big, lovable goober. He's actually crazy smart, really, really smart, right? He kind of downplays his own smartness so that people aren't intimidated by him. But uh, some dirt on Brandon would be he is the most horrible, terrible leverager of other people that I've, I've met. He just will not – he does. He, he can't work systems because he likes to do everything himself all the time. So I'll go hang out with them and we're in Hawaii and there's a sunset and I want to talk about some life-changing stuff. And Brandon's like really busy putting a stool together that he can – like a bar stool or something, right? Or like some appliance <laughs> that his wife likes, like some cake batter maker. He's trying to put all the pieces together and I'm like, do you know, Brandon, how many people would give their left arm to be able to say that they made your stool for you? You've got an entire state full of people that worship you and he's just like, oh, I didn't – I didn't think about that. So that'd be the biggest dirt I could come with Brandon is he likes to do everything himself. (laughs) That is fantastic. The book is by rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. We call it the Burr method, uh, Burr rental property investment strategy made simple. Uh, Where does everybody get it, David? So you can get the book at biggerpockets.com slash Burr book. That's Burr with four R's, B-R-R-R-R or Amazon. Com. You can get it at Barnes and Noble bookstores, pretty much everywhere that sells books is selling this one. That's awesome, man. Well, glad we finally got you down to the basement, Mr. Green. Good seeing you. Thank you, Joe. This was a great interview, man. I love it. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and gather around the campfire for Doug's little history lesson. Back during the California gold rush in 1873, one young businessman by the name of Len Penzo, just kidding, by the name of Mr. Strauss was told by a prospector that he should have been selling pants instead of canvas covers for tents and wagons. After that, Strauss had the canvases made smaller and sold overalls. When the canvas material was reported as having too much chafing, hey, when that happens, Strauss turned to a twilled cotton cloth from France for his material, known then as Serge de Nimes. Now here's your trivia question. What is another name for Serge de Nimes? I'll have your answer right after this. I told the story on Bobby Rebel's podcast, OG, about how I wore some uh, cheap clothes and cheap shoes early in my 
financial career. And I was talking to a guy that you and I both know right after I stopped wearing plastic, cheap shoes. And uh, I thought you actually wore plastic shoes or are you just making that up? Well, no, I wore like those clown ones. No, I wore those black shoes that looked like they had the sheen on them. So I wouldn't have to go polish them all the time. So instead of buying a nice pair of dress like tap shoes, dance shoes, no, <laughs> no, just nice looking cheap dress shoes that you didn't have to polish. Uh, and it was funny cause I thought nobody noticed when you wore rotten clothes. And then, uh, the second I got rid of them, a mutual friend of ours said, Hey, it's about time you got rid of those plastic shoes. And I went, Oh man, but having good clothing that fits right. Isn't just important when other people look at you, it's also makes you feel better. And obviously confidence is everything when it comes to getting the job done right. And because of that, Got to say a big thanks to Proper Cloth for supporting Stacky Benjamins. When your clothes fit well, everything in life seems to go well. You're going to ace the interview. You're going to ace the date. Maybe OG. You can get Mrs. OG to actually pay attention to you more with your new Proper Cloth clothing. I've been married a long time. I don't think any of that's going to help. <laughs> or whatever else you're doing when you need to make a great impression. Proper cloth makes it easy for men to buy dress shirts to fit perfectly without setting foot in a store or paying a fortune. While most bespoke shirts take months to ship, proper cloth delivers your custom clothes in less than two weeks. Here's what I like. So I ordered two shirts. They sent me one, which at first I'm like, why the hell you only send me one? Mm -hmm. But in the email, they tell you, they're like, Hey, if this one doesn't fit, we don't want to make you two shirts that are just going to end up in a landfill somewhere. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's make sure that these shirts fit right first. So they sent me one shirt shirt fit. Fantastic. And I went on the website and I said, Hey, shirt fits great. And they go wash it first because the shirt's going to change dimensions when you wash it. So then wash the shirt shirt still fit great. And then they sent out the second one. Also that one fit great. It was super easy, but I like that attention to detail. Listen, we want this to all be perfect before mm -hmm. we make these shirts. GQ sums up proper cloth properly. You could get a dress shirt and have a tailor, but why not buy one made to measure from the comfort of your couch? They offer the perfect fit guarantee, giving you a free remake if your shirt doesn't fit. They were very serious about that, by the way. Hey, with that first shirt, just set, if it doesn't fit, send it back. We will make this one and your other shirts. Uh, also... If you are a complete idiot and write the wrong measurements down, they remake it. Who would do that? I have no idea. But if you did know somebody who did that and maybe put their sleeve length in wrong by about two inches and, <laughs> and said person takes shirt out of box and goes, it's a little short. That is strange. And then said shirt goes right to about said person's middle of their forearm. And then you feel like a dummy. <laughs> but so they, you email them and go. But they made, the, the sleeves a little incorrect. <laughs> they made it easy though, didn't they? I mean, they send stuff to send it right back. It's super yeah. easy to send it back. They get the new one out to you. According to the Daily Beast, by the way, custom tailoring's your secret weapon. Like if you can wear shirts that fit you perfectly and aren't just made off the rack, that's the thing. Guys wear these shirts that fit horribly. I've done that in the past without realizing it which just wreaks havoc on your image and uh, your big old rectangle shirt and your ego. Yeah. Right. The square t-shirt like this t-shirt looks really good. As long as you are SpongeBob. Yes. I've got one t-shirt that I have to keep tucked in because of the fact that that thing just looks like a balloon. It Otherwise, just kind of 
flails at the bottom. It's it, like a little dress. It does. Yeah. If I spin around really fast in the, in Take the off. wind. Yeah. I look like Marilyn Monroe over that grate. <laughs> I don't think anybody would confuse you for her, but okay. <laughs> Probably not. You're going to get $20 off your first custom shirt at propercloth.com slash SB. You're welcome. Head to propercloth.com slash SB for $20 off. All the while singing, happy birthday, Mr. President. Is that you spinning around on the grate? I can neither confirm nor deny. Welcome back, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Before the break, I asked you about a material Levi Strauss used that replaced his modified canvases after they gave miners too much chafing, you know where. It was called Serge de Nimes. The answer? Strauss used Serge de Nimes, now known as denim, to create the first blue jeans. Well, they must have been comfortable and durable even back then because here we are over a century later and I still get compliments on my ass when I step out in a pair of Levi's. Well, you know, like not actual verbal compliments, but I can always see it in their eyes when people tell me to get off their lawn. It's just unmistakable. See ya! Big thanks again to David Green for stopping by. This idea of real estate, OG, real estate and uh, stocks, the two options really that you have when it comes to historically kicking the pants off of inflation, which is the job, right? We talked earlier about compounding interest. You have to get ahead of the inflation game. Otherwise, you're going to have to save dollar for dollar for your retirement goal. Have to. Yep. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, and we're going to tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. And we asked our friends in our Facebook group what they value most. And Chris says, twins being potty trained in increased cash flow. Bam. And you know why there's increased cash flow, G? You just finished this yourself. How great was it when the little one stopped being in diapers. Yeah, she's pretty much completely done now. She even wakes up from naps dry and even bedtime dry. So we almost have zero diapers in the house. Of course, it didn't matter. I never really changed them anyway, but no, no, allegedly no. it was a pain in the butt. Yeah, but you look at you look at the increased cash flow from not oh, buying. Oh, but saving the money. Yes. Right, correct. I was like, are you kidding me? And, it, and I like that, by the way, pointing out that you don't change diapers. That's good. I retired. I was uh, I was financially independent, retired from diapers. I was fired from diapers. And before you write a note uh, to OG telling him what a uh, what a piece of work he is, terrible I, human being. I do know I do know Mrs. OG very well, and I'll say that you you make up for it in in other ways. <laughs> you you retired from that, but but you took three players to be named later. Uh, in that, <laughs> that might have been that might have been the case. Yeah, yeah, in that in that decision, actually, Chris, it's uh, your loved ones in your time. I love it when my loved ones don't have diapers and uh, I have more time because I don't have to change them. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You had to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. It's a super simple online application. It takes just a few seconds. Their prices are affordable. I love how easy they've made this whole process. Makes it so much more fun than uh, the fact that I can even use the word fun with life insurance, I think is important. Let's throw out the lifeline today to our friend Dave. Say hi, Dave. Hey, guys. Got a question for you. 
Oh, first, before I do, Joe, my mom wants you to uh, make sure you take out the trash. And OG, mom's pretty upset you didn't take off your shoes again, I guess. Anyway, uh, my mother-in-law has kindly offered to uh, invest some money for our kids for college. And I know about the 529 plans, but didn't know if there was a, a better option for her that would be better for her or better for the kids from a, a tax standpoint or what have you. So appreciate any help, any help you can give us. Uh, Got to run off to uh, the Sizzler with Doug. We'll see you later on. Thanks, guys. Oh, and I'm a size large. Hey, Dave. Thanks for the question. The good news is Gertrude uh, from the basement here, our friend Gertrude, who takes care of that. She actually just sends you a code and you get to go to the Flying Pork Apparel Store and pick out your own Haven Life t-shirt size. So, but congratulations on being a large. That's fantastic. Almost as good as a medium. And, and, and by the way, the fact that Dave knows that you get in trouble every day for not taking off your shoes, not good. You're getting a reputation. You're getting a rep. I don't even know what to say about that. It's just she's she's mom. So, don't control me. She's so she's so disappointed. She doesn't. You know she does. That's the funny part. Uh, what do you think, mother-in-law, helping out the family? Uh, Five twenty-nine playing the best way to go. Ring the register. Wow, that's awesome. I would double check and see if your state offers a tax deduction on five twenty-nines, depending on where you live. Mom-in-law may get a little bit of a tax break for establishing a plan and the state that you live in. But otherwise, there's really no perceptible difference between that and, say, a Coverdell account, which is also an education account. So I'd pick the 529 over those. And the only other thing that you could do to put money away for a kid, if you wanted to be in the kid's name, is like an UTMA account. The problem with an UTMA, of course, is that for legal purposes, it becomes the kid's money at age 18 and you lose complete control over it. Whereas the mother-in-law could you know, put one kid on it. If they get a scholarship, she could change the beneficiary to another kid, you know, a little bit more flexibility in the 529. So I'd pick that and be very grateful. It's awesome. I don't know what to say about it. Does, uh, does mother-in-law keep the money in, in her name? Cause my understanding is there might be some consequences if we get to financial aid time. I guess it kind of depends on the total amount that you're talking about. Cause you do have some gift maximums, I don't know that it matters much. Thanks for the question, Dave. And uh, we also are finishing up with our letters here in the basement. If you missed that episode, we no longer take letters because we got so far behind and there was just frankly no way for us to catch up. So the best way to get a hold of us now is the Haven Lifeline. However, if you sent a letter before we made that decision, we're finishing these off. So we're going to have letters for a couple months still. Uh, this one comes from Allie. Allie says, now my share builder slash Capital One investment account got acquired by E-Trade. What would you suggest as an alternative? I really liked that account. I set up the fixed price each month of what I wanted to buy up to 12 trades for only 10 bucks. I looked into M1 Finance. That seems to be the only one that's similar for a while. I thought you recommended them, but I haven't heard you talk about it for a while or any information on your website. Please help. Thanks. Ali, I can answer the question about M1 Finance. They were a sponsor of our show. We still really like M1. And uh, Brian Barnes hangs out with us in our basement Facebook group. So people have been able to ask Brian directly questions. He's the CEO and uh, super busy guy. So we're grateful that he hangs out with us. But you can still use our link, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance. And uh, that helps the show, by the way, if you go through that link. But uh, the issue with M1 Finance, you will get trades for free. 
However, M1 is based on pies. So you're not placing trades like you might have in the past. You're going to set up your pie. When you put money in, you will place all those trades at at no cost, which is really cool. And by the way, if you're a long-term investor, OG, who cares, right? Uh, <laughs> no difference. So probably a great way to go. But any share builder accounts that you really like out there? I don't know that I have any opinions on the uh, on that cost structure. You know, if it's small accounts, we happen to use Stockpile for our kids, which is just kind of a cool way to illustrate stock ownership and and pick up some partial shares and things like that. But once you get too far down the road, it just kind of makes sense to do your run-of-the-mill boring ETF. If you want to go individual stocks, I like M1. I think most of the other places you're going to find are going to be heavily skewed toward, you know, the robo-esque type platform. You know, here's our pre-programmed model portfolio for this aggressive tolerance or whatever. You put in your money and we distribute it for you. If you want a little bit more control over it, then I like them one too, you know, because you say, here, I want to own these six stocks and these equal percentages. And uh, every time you put money in, it just automatically purchases what it can within that, uh, within that bottle. So... Yeah, the only other one that I can think of, Allie, which has a very low fee, is Robinhood. And if you just do any search historically on Robinhood, some of the company shenanigans they've had, shenanigans is my favorite word that mom uses. Uh, and it's apropos because of the Robinhood shenanigans, yes. kind of the same yeah. genre. Yeah, Malou. Uh, I... I, I'm I'm not really big on them as as a company. I kind of question. Uh, I just don't like questioning the company that I'm going to uh, invest with. And then the second thing is Robinhood tools. If you're looking for tools, of course you get what you pay for there. And some people obviously will defend Robinhood, saying, "Hey, when you offer stuff for free." You shouldn't expect a lot of tools. But if you want any investing tools at all, you're not going to find them at Robinhood specifically because it's free. So I think M1 offers you a lot more for your money if you're going to go the uh, free route. Thanks for the question. If you've got a question for the show, once again, the way to get a hold of us is the Haven Lifeline, stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail gets you there. That's going to do it for today. Just a couple uh, housekeeping things. Thanks to everybody who came out and hung out with us a couple weeks ago in Detroit. We haven't said that yet. Uh, fantastic time with Grant Sabatier and company. Good to see that we could do some local stuff now that we've moved to the big city, OG. We're also going to be bringing this summer the Playing With Fire team uh, to show that documentary locally. So more on that if you get our Stacker newsletter. Uh, you can keep up with us with us on that. But I want to say a big thank you to them. Also, thanks to everybody who's left a review of the podcast. Here's a review that mom said on her fridge. Uh, you've been warned five stars by Dan GJR 213 warning. Don't listen to this podcast. If you like the current podcast you listen to Joe OG and the crew are so entertaining. I find myself skipping episodes of other podcasts, in my feed, just so I can get to the latest episode of Stacky Benjamin's great show. Thanks for that, Dan. And if you leave us a review, uh, maybe it'll end up on mom's fridge as well. That's going to do it for today. Uh, if you're looking for good financial planning help in your corner, OG and his team are taking clients and your first step there to interface with them is head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. All right, Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned on this episode? So what should we have learned today? 
Take some advice from David Green. Whether you use the BRRR method to buy real estate or are just working on getting your first mutual fund or getting out of debt, your team is your lifeline. Surround yourself with great people and information so that you're able to make great choices. How great is your mastermind? Maybe it's time to upgrade. Second, take some advice from people who retired early. Retirement is an easy math problem, but the emotional parts are way more difficult. Think about what you want to do in retirement and who you'll want to be. Don't just retire from your job. Retire to something. But the big lesson? Here's one from today's trivia question about denim. Always, and I mean always, friends, tell Joe's mom she looks great in her jeans. In this house, flattery will let you in on the next batch of chocolate chip cookies. And really, what else is there in life? Thanks to David Green for coming down to the basement. You'll find a link to his book, Buy, Rehab, Rent, Refinance, Repeat, the B-R-R-R-R-R-R, there's a bunch of R's, the Burr Rental Property Investment Strategy Made Simple on the show notes page on stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes. Not one bit. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. I went to see this film yesterday. This is a new movie out starring two people I've never heard of before. Charlize Theron. Have you heard of her? Or Seth Rogen? Both, yes. This uh, film is called Long Shot. Charlotte, I would like to endorse you to be the next president of the United States. Oh, my God. You've been a great secretary. Of state. Which state again? All of them. Is the secretary of state looking at us? I kind of know her. It's like kind of knowing a mermaid. Do you tell people that? She probably doesn't remember who I am. Secretary Field would like to speak with you. With me? I can't shake this feeling that we know each other. We do. We do? Picture me, I guess, maybe like 20 years younger. But like this. Florsky? Yeah! What are you doing these days? I'm a journalist. You're a great writer. But sometimes you're a little too much. I don't think I am too much. I actually think I'm the perfect right portion. It's really nice to see you again. Whoa! Yeah.
Knock it down. I'm okay. And with that, uh, Seth Rogen's character, Fred Flarsky, uh, falls down the stairs in front of a bunch of people, including the Secretary of State, who it turns out, OG, was his babysitter when he was 12 years old. And uh, they had an incident where he, uh, for some crazy reason, leaned forward when he was 12 and gave his babysitter a kiss, had a junior high reaction that we can't talk about here on the show that was kind of funny and awkward. And uh, that kind of sets things moving. But they are reunited later. She's now the Secretary of State, possibly looking at a run to become President of the United States. He's a guy who just lost his job as a writer and uh, is uh, very much a nerd with zero fashion sense in a world where how you look and, and how you negotiate is of the utmost importance. So he ends up becoming a member of her staff early in the movie and uh, quite possibly because it's a romantic comedy, they may or may not get involved. So this, this film, I kind of got dragged to by Cheryl and I have to tell you, this was, this was super fun. I laughed my head off all the way through this movie. Seth Rogen sometimes to me goes, I don't know, a little far or is, is not that funny. I just kind of groan, but, mm-hmm. but in this film, I, I found myself laughing all the time and the chemistry between the two of them is, is, is really good. There's been some, some of these uh, comedies where you supposedly have uh, chemistry between them. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at an old movie uh, which starred Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, where they have zero chemistry, like just none between the two of them. This isn't that at all. You, you believe these two, even though uh, the way that they, they would even try to get together is completely unbelievable. So a big thumb up, man, if you're on a plane and you see the movie long shot, I just went and looked at the IMDB ranking and the, uh, the, Rotten Tomato score, Rotten Tomato score, ninety. Wow, on yeah. a comedy. I know. Whenever you see, whenever you see comedies, if it's sixty, Dan- I'll go watch. Danger, it. Will, Will Robert Rogers. <laughs> I know. I know. I see a lot less than that. I'm like, like oh, this has got to be fun. Ballot box. I, uh, I have to tell you, I don't think so. Uh, this is this is probably the second best movie I've seen since the Oscars run earlier. I liked uh, Mustang. Only Mustang did I like better. So go see it. Long shot. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. And take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.